Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the spectacular Spotted Theo, the astounding Amadea Rosa, and the gracious Greg Gordon. Today, we have myself, Ange, along with Jared and Senda, and we're going to talk about music in gaming. Before we get into that topic, though, we're going to ask a get-to-know-a-gnome question, and we're going to ask, what is your favorite musical character you've ever played? Jared, I'm going to start with you. Okay, here's the thing. We talked about this very briefly before we started recording, and we were talking about the number of bards that were involved here. <laughs> and as someone that has played many, many bards, I'm actually going to pick a character that was not a bard. I had a a Goliath monk that was a gladiator, and he got proficiency in a musical instrument, so I picked drums. So... <laughs> Every time that Crow was in a quiet moment, like if we were in an inn or we were like resting for the evening, I would pull out my bongos and start playing my bongos for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I liked this because Crow was a very serious, no nonsense character, but he also very much enjoyed his drum performances. (laughs) Senda, what about you? I'm going to cheat now. (laughs) (laughs) do we want to do we want to give jared an opportunity to say one favorite character who is a bard and one favorite character who's not a bard because that's what i'm about to do (laughs) um okay i'm gonna say it and then we can come back to jared if we need to um so (laughs) my first character ever was a bard she was a kender bard and her name was Chelsea Oakchamfer and I liked her very much um and she was the first thought she was a rogue she was oh it was very complicated (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> somewhere around like level 12 i i realized that i had really wanted to play a rogue the whole time and then like cashed in a bunch of stuff and all of my bard levels for rogue levels but she started off as a bard anyway <laughs> the part of the story is um so this was my very first role playing game experience ever and i was like i'm playing a bard it's fantastic and every time i sang a song i leapt upon the couch and i sang the song <laughs> 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 that lasted for about two or three sessions that was it but you know that was that was the one where i actually did the music right so so it was that one okay my second favorite musical character my non-bard musical character because i feel like i said like we should have one of each because bards are like a shoo-in i played a really fantastic and i oh gosh i forgot her name oh no but okay um i played a very fantastic barbarian from dungeon world and the uh, plains that she came from were known for the wind that swept across the grasses and the sound that that made as it kind of blew across them would make this musical sound in the grass. And so they had created basically weaponry that had holes in it so that when you swung it through the air as you achieve different speeds, it basically sang a battle cry with you. So I had this delightful time because every time I went into battle and I had this huge sword, right? But that sword literally sang. So like I would be (laughs) harmonizing with my sword as I like murdered things. It was great. (laughs) Um, So it was was really, really nice. It was fun and it gave me a really interesting thing to consistently describe because, you know, there's a certain point where if combat goes on for a little while, there's like only so many ways to say I swing my sword. But um, when you are describing the sound that your sword makes, 
in a really epic way, there are so many more options. So anyway, I had a singing sword. I had literally a singing longsword. It was really cool. It only sang, obviously, when I whistled it through the air. It was great. Anyway, and tell us about yours. Do you have a bard and not bard or just a bard? You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to remember if I have a not bard. I like so the character I'm going to talk about is actually from the 80s. This is one of the few (laughs) characters I remember. Her name was actually she's both. Oh, there you go. She's bard and not bard. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) Beja Taveler, she was a thief mage for a first edition D&D campaign. She had flaming red hair, beautiful blue eyes, and she carried around a loot because I thought that would be cool. Because it is Even though cool. she, was, she was a rogue, <laughs> but she sang, she performed. But this was first edition D&D, so like a bard was a special monster from like another world because you had to have like <laughs> 10 levels of rogue and three levels of this and four levels of mage and... Like, I have no idea what the actual specifics were, but I remember it was the, like, oh, no, you can't play a bard, but we can let you play a a thief and a mage. That's essentially the same thing. Kind of accomplishes the goal. And then you can just decide that you want to sing. Right, right. (laughs) And, like, one of the reasons I remember this character so fondly is, like, the GM actually gave me a magical loot that I had no idea what it did, but if I tuned it in different ways, it would do different things. Okay, and that's so, pretty cool. You know, it's first edition D&D, so it's like, well, I don't want to use all the magic up, so I'll just try this one. Oh, that thing over there exploded. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. You know, but this character was created at that time when second edition was coming out, and second edition <laughs> actually had bards. So the GM, when we decided to transition from first to second, he let me remake the character as an actual bard. And then two sessions later, he TPK'd the whole party. Oh, God, no! (laughs) That's what you get. Bard, splat! (laughs) It was like, Tom, you just let me get the class I've wanted this whole time, and TPK! And he's like, well, you guys fell in the pit, and there was no way to get out, so let's make new characters. I have the 80s were a very different time. Sads. Sads. Uh, Jared, did you want to add a non-bard character to the list? No, no, a, an actual bard. Can, we got the non-bard. Oh, yeah, did yeah. you want to add a non-bard? Bard. <laughs> well, I, you know what's really funny is they if we're going to throw in a bard, I was going to throw in a second edition bard that I only played at a convention because this is the one where like everyone at the convention was like dead quiet and I took a bard, and at first I want—I really wanted a ranger because I love rangers. But I took the bard because this half of the characters in this group had like kits from all the different second edition splat books. <laughs> so this one was a scald, and he was friends with the ranger who got taken that I wanted. So I played this guy to the hilt. So there were drinking songs, there were epics, there were all sorts of things. I didn't sing, but I did stand up at the table and I excitedly explained exactly what the lyrics to everything that I was saying were about. So 
that was that was one of my favorites, especially since I just kind of picked this pre-gen up and said, that's what this guy is. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So the, the reason we're talking about musical characters is Sender recently published an article talking about how music has enhanced her gaming experience, and we thought it would be a good subject for the podcast. So, Senda, why don't you give us like the rundown of what your article was about? Yeah, it was basically about um, two primary things, which is music is inspiration for characters or locations or like game feel, you know, whatever you want to take from it. And then music as a way to continuously engage with and be connected to your games as they're like ongoing, maybe. Like I wasn't specifically talking about music at the table, but I know that, you know, that's a thing that I think people have talked about a lot. But I was talking about for me specifically in the pandemic about how having musical connections to my characters and games that I had going on was a really interesting way for me to maintain kind of connectivity to those Uh games, even when they weren't actively happening or like despite the weird you know, distance that you get from playing only virtually when you have been accustomed to playing with people in person, right? So it it was another way to basically approach connection and maintaining that connection, as well as being an inspiration. <laughs> that's that's what the article was. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's true for me, too. I don't necessarily like, I don't end up with a song per character, but I end up with songs that you know, kind of inspire me to think more about that character and the game or the world. Or, you know, like as a GM, there are songs that just kind of get my blood pumping and in the mood to design a scenario for that game. Right. I think the really interesting thing that happened to me, and there's a there's a playlist linked in that article, so you can go look it up and like, listen, I basically like broke down like, here's a song and like, here's what it does for me um, in an inspiration way or like in a connection way. But the interesting thing is like, I I definitely, I'm not sure I've ever sat down with a song and been like, I am going to design a character that goes with this song. But what keeps happening and what definitely happened like over this last year for me, and this is like all the character songs are from like this last year. Like it just suddenly got really strong. (laughs) What does happen is that I have a character um, and maybe an ongoing game. And like, actually, when Rachel and I were playing a bunch of things. And so, you know, he's done stuff with playlists before. And so we both started being really inspired to have playlists. And in the act of like looking for songs that felt like they suited the game and maintained a connection with the game. So I have full playlists, like for all the games that I played with him this summer, like, <laughs> there's I mean, like three or is, four of them. If, if my old grognard self may butt in, uh-huh. this is not that different from the cassette tape playlist my GM made for our Champions campaign. It's exactly in the same thing. Yeah, it's exactly you know? the same thing. It's just now we have Spotify and it's way less work. Oh, so much easier. <laughs> so much easier. But it means you can also find all these songs that you might not have known existed and then it suggests things and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But What's ended up happening, what definitely happened with the character ones is like we started building playlists for like the the games as a whole, like the feel of the game, like, mm-hmm. you know, like one of them was like vampire evil people. And so it's all like kind of mean songs, right? They're like bad. They tend to be in minor keys and like have, you know, driving rhythm and stuff. But like and like that's what what kind of ends up happening for me is in the process of making a playlist that I'm like, ooh, this gives me the feels of the game and I like it. 
like then somewhere along the line there, there's a song that like leaps out at me. I'm like, this is the song of my character. (laughs) This one right here. And then like that becomes an attachment point, both where I'm like, cool, this is like, this becomes my primary like inspiration song. And the rest of them are still inspiration for the game or how it feels. But like, this is the inspiration. Like this feels like the character to me. And then like, because that happens not necessarily before I start the character, but certainly before the end of the game, then like it becomes an inspiration point, you know, somewhere along in the Mm -hmm. middle, right? Where it just helps continue to develop a personality. How about you, Jared? Do you have, uh, do you have songs that have inspired your games and campaign, your characters? Okay. First off, I have to throw out the nerdiest thing that has ever popped into my head because it goes back to when I was in high school. For some reason, there's a song that Sammy Hagar did called Returning Home. And my brain latched onto the lyrics of that song as a Sylvanesti elf going back to the the uh, forest of Sylvanesti after it had been destroyed by the uh, by Cyan Bloodbane <laughs> and the uh, oh, the Dream no. of Lorak. And <laughs> I cannot disentangle that song yeah. from that event even though i am almost 100 percent certain that sammy hagar did not write that as a dragon lance song <laughs> yeah you know whatever yeah, it, no, could have no, been I get that. it could have been <laughs> i mean if I led mean, zeppelin can write things about uh lord of the rings i guess <laughs> it's a kind of magic all the songs written for the highlander movie mm-hmm. inspired a champion's campaign that i played <laughs> in the 80s we didn't play too many sessions but it was like the entire campaign was built around those songs somewhere in the distant past through going to college and then moving you know multiple times i have lost but once upon a time i used to have a book of Dragonlance songs where that somebody had taken all of the the poetry that had gotten slipped in his songs tolkien-esquely right and like actually set them to music. And I wish I still had it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> tell us more about music inspiring your bass, Jared. Well, beyond Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Um, like modern day, when I'm um, like, I, I play or I uh, run way more than I play. So a lot of what I'm listening to is stuff to inspire me while I'm you know, prepping game sessions and things Mm -hmm. like that. And my go-to for a lot of this is to look at video game soundtracks anymore because video game soundtracks have some amazing freaking music to them these days. Yeah. Like for my uh, Streets of Avalon game, when I was running that, because it was like a grittier type of fantasy, I would listen to a lot of the Witcher soundtrack when I was, uh, you know, when I was prepping that. I don't necessarily like to listen to things that have too many lyrics. So every so often there would be one that I would have to skip because there are a few of the Witcher soundtrack songs that kind of get into, you know, the more lyrical. And it's like, no, because now I'm paying attention and trying to pick out words, even though it's probably in Polish. But, (laughs) um, but I mean, that was, that's one thing. I also, um, I have the uh, soundtrack for, the Sentinels of the Multiverse, because they did a whole soundtrack for the the video game version of the card game. So I'll listen to that when I'm prepping for a superhero game. So I just there's just a lot of, you know, finding video game soundtracks that fit what I am currently working on, because 
you can find a video game soundtrack that lines up for just about any RPG that you're playing. Several years ago, I was driving back from a gaming weekend in Binghamton. It's about a two and a half hour drive back from Binghamton to Rochester. And it's, it's late. It's dark. I'm driving. I've got my iPod playing. And Things We Lost in the Fire from Bastille came on. And like by the time the song was done, I had a campaign idea for Monster of the Week. <laughs> and like I immediately wrote it down when I got home. And somewhere by the time by the time I pitched it to my players and then we played out the campaign, the goal changed from being a witch necromancer trying to bring back her dead lover and burning down Las Vegas when she couldn't have that happen to being a cult summoning a demon prince in Caesar's palace and trying to burn Vegas down. <laughs> sure. But either way, sure. it still ended up, you know. Yeah. It still ended up being this epic campaign all built around fire and Las Vegas and all because like <laughs> driving down the highway in the middle of the night, it's like this song just like planted a seed and there it went, <laughs> you know? Yes. So on my list, there is um, there's a specific song from the Riven soundtrack, which speaking of video game soundtracks, right? But like we, I, I went, I dipped way back to the ancient past, but there was like a whole like also ancient past. Here we go, because apparently we're all super old now because this doesn't feel that old to me. But OK, uh, an old like ocarina of time style desert dungeon that went with the riven soundtrack in my head i now cannot distinguish the two of them very very interesting even though i didn't even get to play out that entire situation because that was actually before i learned that was that was the campaign that was the final nail in the coffin on send it this is not your gming style it's cool that you came up with this dungeon but maybe this planning thing is working against you <laughs> and making this not work for you and like so yeah that was that was the last game that i was like i'm gonna be a traditional dm so we didn't actually get to finish ever playing <laughs> through that dungeon because that just didn't happen but i did create all of it <laughs> have either of you ever used music actually in a game while you're playing i haven't a lot and um i it's one of those things that i personally i like the idea of it but I have found in games that I've played with it, it is, it's not, it's certainly not impossible to implement well, but it is difficult because it means yeah. that there is another thing that you as a GM are committing to basically managing. And it's like, sometimes it's fine to put in like something epic, like low in the background and like not fiddle with it, right? Probably, except that sometimes that's also distracting depending on the people that are at your table and that sort of thing. So you kind of have to be careful about, you know, what everybody's style of focus is because you just mm -hmm. you don't want it to be distracting. But if you're going to do something where it specifically matters what plays when or that you're trying to um if you're online or something like Roll20 has cool, you know, like sounds and like, "Ooh, we can be in the pub and all that stuff." And like that stuff is really cool. But it means that like every time you go from place to place, like you have to also switch that. And you have to be really careful again about those like volume controls, because now there's a different thing for your players to be distracted by in an online situation. Yeah. And, um, you know, the fifth time I hear this little ditty repeat, it gets kind of annoying. And, you know, that kind of thing. So it's something that I think if you can pull it off, then it's amazing. But it takes some real effort and some real planning to do it. 
mm-hmm. like I said, I've, so I've had some like meh experiences with music and gaming. Let me bring up the most amazing experience that I ever had with music and gaming. <laughs> so Tales from the Loop, right? The thing about Tales Shocking. from the Loop, I know. <laughs> so the thing about Tales from the Loop is that you you pick a song that goes with your character, right? You pick your song. We, we picked our songs way back at the beginning when we were creating our characters. So we did the same thing when we started our, our basically our second episode, which we, in short, we were too impatient to wait for things from the flood. So we kind of took the Tales from the Loop and we, we like just went with it, even though we were older and played in the 90s. And But we picked our songs again because we were taking our same characters and moving them forward. And and so, oh, shoot. Oh, no. Now I can't even remember what song I picked. Oh, oh, oh. It's the really sad <laughs> one. Oh, it was so popular. Oh, Love Fool. Love Fool. Um, do you know which, you know that? Um, oh, my God. How does it go? Um, right. Love me, love me. Say that you love me. Right. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's the one that sounds super, super happy. It sounds when you super happy, but like, you listen to it. It's terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yes. So that was my character's favorite song. And, uh... <laughs> It was amazing. So what happened was when we finished everything out and we were basically playing out kind of our our resolution scenes at the end of the story, like for our character resolutions, because we had saved the world from the alien invasion. So we got to the end and we had to finish out some of the hanging threads about relationships and stuff, one of which was that I was no longer marrying the man who was my fiance that I was supposed to marry in the very first session. <laughs> and it was great. But what happened was we started having this conversation where I had to tell him, like, look, this isn't going to work. And I'm leaving with my childhood crush. And so we we're having this really sad, intense moment. And what Quincy was doing, because, of course, it was Quincy, is he like brought up the playlist on his phone where he had put <laughs> all of our songs into a playlist. And he just sets the phone down on the table and it starts playing love. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> as i'm breaking up with him oh man it was pretty amazing like and, and he did he ended up doing that for all of the scenes and what was amazing was the song choices that we chose you know months before ended up being this really poignant backdrop to like <laughs> the really kind of horrible places that most of us ended up emotionally like we saved the world <laughs> Everything was fine for everybody else. <laughs> I, I think that that kind of brings up like something like I've observed in how music, you know, using actual recorded music in a game, the more intimate the game setting surroundings, the better it is to use music. Like you can't go to a convention oh. and be in a room with four other games no. and try and have music work at your table. No. But if you've got a small table, like I played in, I don't play Cthulhu games very often, but occasionally if a friend is running something and the scenario sounds interesting, I'll give it a shot. And I had a friend who designed a Cthulhu scenario around the musical hair. Okay. <laughs> and basically wow. it was yeah, it's like these kids are going on these acid trips that are actually like touching the elder <laughs> god's realm and all this. In the end, we ended up my character ended up sacrificing herself to prevent Richard Nixon from getting the support of an elder god 
which made him fall with the Watergate scandal. If I hadn't done that, he would have basically escaped scot-free from the Watergate scandal, gotten elected again, and turned himself into a dictator and blah, blah, blah. But what And then she- Watchmen happens. Yeah. <laughs> what it's she like, did... Richard Nixon is currently playing a role in one of my games as well, but he's made, <laughs> he's made out of a colony of ants, so... Uh... <laughs> But what she did is she 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 basically made playlists using the music from Hair and she had like I mean there's enough music in Hair that I think there's like 3 hours worth of music. So she had enough that we weren't getting songs on repeat so you're getting that oh god I already heard this one. Mm-hmm. But just enough but she had certain songs that she like when certain events would happen she basically like quickly advanced the playlist to this song and so we got dawning of the age of aquarius as oh. we were entering the actual realm oh. you know and to defeat oh. the major evil and all of this and it was yeah just, it, it was only it, there were only three players we were in her house no one else was around and it worked but if it had been like a larger group or more distractions it wouldn't really have worked as well yeah it's like i i think i think the key basically like because because when it works it's magic right <laughs> it's like it's like it creates game experience memories that i will never forget like chills on my arms kind of moments <laughs> right but there's just you know it it needs to be used so intentionally yeah intentionally you need to be mindful of the surroundings uh one of my friends has been running a star trek campaign using roll 20 and he has been super adept at sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the sound, just the sound of the bridge in the background with the occasional beeps. It's running low in the background. You barely realize it's there. And then, like, we're on, like, an ice planet investigating a lost research station with dead people. And there's the sound of howling winds. You know, it's, like, really well done. It has to be super careful, super intentional. Mm-hmm. The other game I've played where music was absolutely wonderful was my friend decided she was going to try a musical episode. And (laughs) the situation, it was was basically a part-time gods game. And we were in a situation where like, we suddenly realized all of the NPCs around us were like, humming and singing and like if we didn't (laughs) sing back to them they'd get all like suspicious and so to continue our infiltration of this place we all needed to sing and she actually got every single player to sing our dialogue that's amazing and i immediately I'm clamping down on my desire to sing random buffy quotes at you right now (laughs) It was so well done. And like, Laura was super proud of it. And I'm super happy she did it. There was a lot of riffing off of Hamilton because they had just recently released the Hamilton uh, on Disney Plus. Yeah. So like everyone had seen it. So it was like, there was a lot of that, but it was still, (laughs) she got every single player to sing. That's amazing. Yeah. The the thing that I, I would love to be able to do, but I don't think I could pull it off is Doing a a superhero game and pulling off the Music Meister episode of Batman Brave and the Bold, which I don't know if you've seen, but it was it was amazing. 
Neil Patrick Harris plays the music meister in that. And it is an entire Batman episode where they sing through the entire thing. And music meister has, has his moments. Uh, Black Canary has her moments. Aquaman gets his own number. It's, (laughs) it is an amazing episode. If you get the opportunity, you should watch it. Batman Brave and the Bold is an underrated Batman animated series. Very Silver Age Batman. And it is absolutely great, but especially that episode. And also the one that Gail Simone wrote, where there's a musical number that uh, Black Canary, Huntress, and Catwoman perform. That is an absolutely great number. So if you ever get a chance, watch either one of those. You know, they are on YouTube. You can just go look them up. I've seen the one of uh, Black Canary, Huntress, and... Catwoman. Catwoman all singing. I've Mm. seen that one. (laughs) Yeah, in public, though, wait, we had a topic that wasn't just randomly music? Um, <laughs> yes. In public, though, like at the the FLGS where I used to run a lot of my games, we couldn't just, you know, play music throughout a game. But when I was running Star Wars games there, what I did do, and I think we've talked about this before, as the kind of like focus we're about to get ready to play is when I would play my Star Wars games, you play that opening music. And mm-hmm. everyone, it kind of tells everyone we're about to get ready to play, wrap up your chatter, you know, this is what we're doing. So every session when we started, we would play that and it would get going. The opening um, crawl is about to start. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Everybody take your seats. <laughs> and I would have, and the the most catastrophic thing I tried, this was running at a friend's house and I was running a Dark Heresy game. And I had all of these like industrial and metal and classical things that all kind of sounded like these 40k over the top, you know, sort of musical experiences for different things when they were going to be investigating this thing on the space station. And I had this playlist and I made notes for myself when this encounter starts, hit this. And I even had it like hyperlinked so I could do it off of my laptop. And I had all of this set up. And my friend's roommate came home and started playing the TV in the other room. And the the <laughs> volume was so loud. It was like, not doing this. That was a lot of wasted time. So yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I, I did have a failed musical moment once when I was running that super, uh, that monster of the week game where it was Vegas and a demon mm-hmm. coming through wanting to burn everything down. I wanted to have, a supernatural carry on wayward son moment to start <laughs> the finale session out. Yes. So I tried finding a song that had that, that same feel. And I thought I found the song and I started playing it. And like every single one of my players eyes just glazed over <laughs> waiting for it to be over so we could start playing. And I'm like, okay, that didn't Never mind. I should have just, I should have just played Things We Lost in the Fire because that was what started the campaign yeah. and gone from that. Because it was Monster of the Week, the very first campaign of Monster of the Week that I ever ran, I would put together PowerPoint presentations to summarize the previous week's events. And I did the road so far and I did it on, <laughs> and in the PowerPoint that would fade out. And then I had embedded like ACDC and then, like, just different scenes that were kind of encapsulating things that happened. And I did that, like, three or four times. And it was like, this is hard. <laughs> I'm like, that? I was, I was impressed. Like, that is a lot of work, my friend. <laughs> I have a Monster Ooh. of the Week game that I have run, I think, three times now for the same players. And they are a rock band who hunts demons. Yes. <laughs> and every single time we've played, 
the players have created a playlist. Yes. And they basically created the names of songs and written it out, named the album. And, you know, (laughs) so it's like, it's, we've never actually had actual music, but they've, they've, they've basically named all of their songs in their albums. Well, the thing that I'm really excited about, so we've been working on this for a while and like there was a pandemic, so things got slowed down and weird and stuff. But I'm working on this game called The Ditch Lilies. Uh, road, it's it's their, you know, tour, um, Ditch Lilies tour. And um, the Ditch Lilies are, of course, the coolest 90s girl band you never heard of. And the best part about the idea of this entire game is that you're consistently like, you know, okay, and then this is the name of the album. I don't know. This is the, like the, the game mechanics actually tell you like, and what song are you playing for this like role that's going to inspire the audience to do whatever? Like, so you have to make songs and describe them as you play the game. And my, my truest, dearest hope <laughs> And I'm making no promises. My truest, dearest hope is if slash when this ever hits Kickstarter, that like someday we can pay someone to like actually make the music. Like, right, we can we can go in the opposite direction where the game inspires the music instead of the music inspiring the game. I really want I really want Ditch Lily's music. <laughs> I mean, they played Lilith Fair, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> like damn pandemic because i've been hearing about this game for over a year now and i'm like oh this sounds cool i want to see this game i want to see this game it's and fine we also need to rewrite like a bunch of it because we ran into a new way of dealing with some stuff mechanically they were like that's perfect um so you know <laughs> it's still in flux but the thing that i really want to get out of it is the music I would like to be the lead singer of my own 90s band. Thank you very much. Any, I think we, we've talked long enough. Rob's going to get mad if we go too much longer. But can I, talk you, about, can I talk about Loki Kittens? I don't know why. I don't even have a reason. Oh, Loki Kittens. You have to talk <laughs> about Loki Kittens. <laughs> I don't even know. But like, I think what it's coming down to is at this point, we are talking about games that specifically and intentionally require you to think about music without necessarily having actual music in them. Yes. Right. Okay, cool. So Rockalypse, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the cool thing about Rockalypse, which is a fantastic fate game, just in general, like it's fantastic. But the cool thing about it is you pick genres and then you like smush them together and then you mix them all around like the bumblebee that you lick off your hands, right? Um <laughs> That's all. That's only the, the only the, only a parent will get that one. Send up. <laughs> I was doing the squishing up my baby bumblebee motion, so you know. Um, <laughs> wow, well, I don't remember what I was saying. I totally sidetracked myself. Anyway, the cool thing about it is you mush these genres together. And the first time that I played it, um, we mushed together like heavy metal and um. J-pop, which is very like baby metal, if you've heard of baby metal, right? Like we basically made baby metal, except that it was a Norse metal. <laughs> baby because metal. it was Ragnarok. It was Ragnarok. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so we were Loki kittens. So like, and I got to play the lead singer, which is delightful because that's always who I want to be like in my dream life. And, and so I like was like full gothic Lolita, like all of the fluff and all of the like adorable and the Mary Janes and the bows and the lace everywhere. Cause that's a thing that I love. 
but with little Norse elements, right? Like runes on my skirt that said things. I don't remember what they say. I actually have art of this character. They're, you had a little <laughs> tiny Viking helmet. And I had helmet. a tiny little off the side Viking <laughs> helmet with like a big bow in it. Oh my gosh. But the thing that's really neat about that is that, um, so Rockalypse and a number of other games, right? And hopefully the Digitalilies, you end up with mechanical ways to represent music, even if you aren't listening to actual music at a time. And what's fun about that is being able to describe the experience of the music and everybody kind of have their own in their head version of what that sounds like, even though you're not hearing it. What I loved is, because I also got to play in, in the yeah. Loki Kittens game, <laughs> I played the bassist. I and it was so good. Like my, my, my character was the rock. She was uh-huh. the one that held everything together as like the more dramatic members of the team were like having their moments and chaos is forming and we're fighting uh it was uh, was one of the gods freya freya Freya. Freya. yes yes and like i got to describe my actions themed around the way a bass line holds the entire song together and drives everyone else forward it was like just you know like that that type of brilliant design pulling the music in with the way the characters are encouraged to play was just it was wonderful also like frankly battle of the bands when there's gods involved and then like i ended up channeling the actual (laughs) godhood of like loki that was pretty cool (laughs) we were on a cruise liner because all that was left was the sea all that was left was the sea and we were all teenagers It was a high school cruise. Do you remember that part? <laughs> but also Ragnarok. <laughs> oh, Battle anyway. of the bands slash gods. Um, oh, good times, good games. Enough gaming stories from us Loki kittens. Lives forever in my heart as one of my favorite made-up bands. It's okay because Loki is very topical right now. <laughs> it is actually yeah. really topical. And this game was how long ago was that, Inch? That was like a Oh, QCC? QCC 2018? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was 2018. 2018 sounds right. Because 2019 was in the school location, and that was when you had the prom, the, like, Phil ran the prom masks game. Oh, that was a good game. Yeah, that was another good game. <laughs> um, Not nothing to do with music, but... <laughs> I like playing music at a prom. <laughs> We don't. We, we have done, way, Jared. We, we didn't. We there. didn't play at the table. If that hadn't been a con game, I think it would have been pretty awesome to have bad prom, like '90s prom music going. <laughs> but uh, it could have worked. But it was could've. definitely, uh, definitely a con game. So, Jared, any last words on music? Since Senna and I just <laughs> took over everything with Loki Kittens. That's, because that's, Loki that's per- Kittens. <laughs> that's perfectly okay. Um, I was just going to say this is this is one of those topics that kind of fascinates me. And obviously, Senda is much better equipped to talk about some of these things because she actually knows things about music, whereas <laughs> I was a drummer. So <laughs> don't, don't even say that because you're just you're you're just continuing a harmful stereotype about drummers. Your rhythm has to be better than mine. I I lived harmful stereotypes. <laughs> anyway, um, but sometimes it is very difficult to elaborate why music makes you feel a certain way, but yet it is something that often consistently does make you feel a certain way. 
And it's really interesting to, you know, when we're talking about using this for inspiration or what we have playing in our heads when we're, you know, when we're thinking of certain scenes, that is all so much tied up with, with emotion. And it's so hard to communicate to other people sometimes. And yet the concept that music does bury itself into your brain and jump out at these certain moments is something that we almost universally understand but we can't explain why this one song did that for us versus why a completely different song would do it for a completely different moment for someone else and i can't elaborate on any of that other than to say that that just kind of fascinates me yeah well i think that's i think that's a point where we can get out of here i think it was a really good wrap up wrap up moment to bring us in yeah This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by Splatify, combining the beauty of shared musical platform when your character comes up short and doesn't make it out of the adventure, find the perfect song to commemorate their spectacular finale. If you're enjoying the Gnome Cast, you'll probably like many of these other misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Um, hey, you could be listening to Mastering Dungeons. They might talk about Splatify too. I don't know. Um, <laughs> RPG veterans and game designers Teo Sabania and Sean Merwin look at the game and the hobby of D&D from a variety of viewpoints, reporting the news, understanding the business, reviewing the products, and illuminating the design. Whether you're a fan, a player, a DM, or a designer, Sean and Teo's cover topics of interest to you. Probably you also. <laughs> Sorry. Splatify. <laughs> you can find all of us at gnomes.com at gnomes2 on twitter and gnomes2 on facebook gnomes where else can we find you on the internet jared go all right you can find my blog at what do i know jr.com you can find me on twitter at what do i know jr and you can find my text-to-speech blog posts in podcast form at anchor.fm slash what do i know jr audio blog send a uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Idella Mifflin, which is I-D-E-L-L-A-M-I-T-H-L-Y-N-N-D. <laughs> yes, I used a name generator when I made a character. And you can also find me um, on back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can find me currently releasing weekly for Pandas Talking Games, which you can find on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. And uh, where else? I don't know. I usually have to talk about how I write articles here, but I guess I'm here, so I don't have to talk about that. Yeah, you're here. I mean, you can find all of these, the, the podcasts on the misdirectedmark.com website. Right. So yeah. There is that. There's that. And you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram as orikes13, O-R-I-K-E-S-13, although it's all mostly cats. So. Meow. Meow. Do you guys think we avoided the stew this week? Were we musical enough? They got the mustard out! (laughs) Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Do you have Yeah, sorry, I was going to pass it to you, Jared. So continue (laughs) to speak. I'm sorry I interrupted you taking your turn to try to give you your turn. Oh, Rob, chop all of this out.